This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Monday, February 5th, 2018. Wow, it's the 5th of February already. Hey, everyone, my guest today is Ashley. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I miss um, you. It's been a I minute. I miss you too. Yeah. Um, how do you say your last name? Esqueda? Am yeah, I saying it right? Yeah, that's perfect. All that's right. A, that is the most perfect way you could pronounce it. Awesome. So um, Ashley, in case you don't know, writes for CNET. And uh, you were like super popular podcaster for a long time. And now you have a new show on Roadshow, which is CNET's car show. You want to talk about that real quick? Yeah, I'd love to. We just launched it this morning. So it's called The Tesla Track, and it's a monthly show that recaps all of the previous month's Tesla news. And uh, and then we do like a little field package. So this this inaugural episode, we had uh, a few stories from Tesla from January. And then we also, uh, I got to take a ride in a Model 3 that we were reviewing for a roadshow that Tim Stevens was driving. So I wasn't allowed to drive it, which was a little bit unfortunate, but Don't. it was really, really fun to ride in. I bet. Um, so, you know, in case you guys don't know, there's like a kind of family connection here in a way. Tim was my editor-in-chief at Engadget when I was there in those days. And he's one of the most wonderful tech journalist and car journalist now obviously uh you know in the universe in my opinion and i and i've actually talked to him about getting him on the show to kind of have a special uh a car um edition and but to some extent i kind of want to i want to i want to pick your brain about your your model 3 experience as hopefully the listeners know by now i've ordered a model 3 it's hopefully coming um you know we're we're, you you did too so we're both in the same boat but we're not model s owners so we have to kind of wait until all the model s owners get theirs yep um and so what was what was your experience i mean you said you know you were a passenger you didn't experience as a driver but you know you've been in the car i haven't so what is your experience as a passenger As a passenger, uh, there were a lot of things I really loved about the car. And then there were a lot of things that I was not so pleasantly surprised by and unpleasantly surprised by. So um, So do tell us. It was a really good reality check as somebody who pre-ordered it but hadn't really had any experiences inside it. Um, The car itself is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, The interior is incredibly spacious. We had a social media guy in our back seat who was six foot five and he had we had the seats all the way back because we had GoPros mounted and he still had plenty of leg room. So it is it is incredibly spacious um, inside the car, which is amazing. I love that. And then um, I I think overall, like the ride, uh, the ride was really great. Uh, It accelerates at a nice clip. It's definitely not ludicrous mode, but that's okay. It's still, you know, Porsche levels of it zips right off the line. It's absolutely a Tesla. I mean, zero to 60 in the five second range is is going to blow a lot of people away. They're not used to that. Even in a $50,000 car, that's, that's not achieved commonly so especially the thing people forget right and and i know you know this ashley but i think uh, the listeners might not be aware because they might not never been in a, in a in a tesla before but and i think tesla really does that best but all the electric cars i've even been in like even a nissan leaf mm-hmm. gives you this kind of continuous push of torque right yeah it's like you get torque from zero rpm and you all feel this push in the back 
up pretty pretty much up to as fast as you need to go on a normal road and that is a completely different experience like i have a porsche that's my 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 little baby and mm -hmm. i love it to death and it's stick shift and i'm never going to give it up because it's a completely different experience than my model 3 but sure. at the same time i tell you this like not having to switch gears whether it's you know the best automatic or pdk or or you know D D dsg dual clutch transmission or a manual is there is this thing that you cannot replicate from an electric car in the driving experience that the moment you stomp on that accelerator pedal, you're getting to where you need to go. Yes. No questions asked, no delays, no downshifting, no hesitation. I just had a, a Audi A4, um, a pretty high level trim as a rental car. And I, I enjoyed it. It was a beautiful, wonderful, comfortable place to be. And in dynamic mode, which is Audi speak for the sport mode, um, it was great fun to drive. But I got so frustrated that every time I hit the accelerator, there was still this tiny little delay that, yeah. that I don't get with my Porsche because I've, I'm controlling the, you know, this, the, the gear. So I'm generally in the right gear and, and that I, you just don't get an electric car. It's like, you want to be in that little hole in the traffic. You are in that little yeah. hole in the traffic. It, it feels like the future when you accelerate it, in an electric it is car. Uncanny. And to me, that's really the thing that blew me away the most from the first Same. day I drove a production electric car, but the Model S, in, which is the only car I've driven from Tesla really, really nails that experience. Oh yeah. And, I mean, it could. And of course, you know, the Model 3 is going to bring that too. So think of the Model 3 as kind of as an, as an early Model S in terms of performance, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and it, like you said, anybody who is has never owned an electric vehicle has uh, only owned maybe le maybe like a hybrid or a Prius, you know, Prius or something like that, like they're going to be very, very happy with the acceleration. So if you're familiar with um, Treasure Island, that's where we shot. This, yeah, yeah, um, I saw that bit. from the video. <laughs> and we went to go back to the office. And um, for those of you listening who are not familiar with San Francisco, when you leave Treasure Island and get onto the bridge, um, you have to take the bridge back over into uh, San Francisco proper. And the on-ramp to the, the basically the freeway is is very short. It is very, very short. And it's a stop. It's a full stop. It's a stop sign there. So yeah, it's a very difficult entrance to the freeway because you very on a in a normal car you have a very small amount of room to get to the to up to speed with traffic. Yes. And the traffic, the main traffic on, on 80 coming into the city is just gone through a, a tunnel. So they're like full Speeding on, up. you know, doing yep. their happy little well, the speed limit is there is they're 50, like, but they're all doing 70. They're all doing 65, 70. Yeah, exactly. It, exactly. And then you're like having to get up to speed there. And I tell you, you know, as the other vehicle that I own is a Volkswagen camper van, having done that in the <laughs> that Volkswagen must be camper terrifying. van, the entire 4,000 pounds of weight behind <laughs> me, it's not terrifying you just really have to time it. You yes. have to really think about timing. With my Porsche in the right gear or with a Model 3, you just don't have to think about it. Not at you all. stomp on the accelerator, you're there, you're in traffic, you're at the right speed. Yeah. You just Tim, have to find a tiny little hole and you're done. Tim literally just just hit hit the accelerator and we just went and we were right in with the flow of traffic, no problems, no slowdown by the people behind us. No, like it, it was great. It was really no great. No drama. So, yeah. It was fantastic. So those things I really loved about the the car, and and I love the design of the car, and I I think now the the panel gap issue is like much much better. I um, think people put way, put way too much like 
I honestly, do like this happens all the time in early production sure. cars, not even just Tesla. It is true though that the Model X had a lot of issues yes. and it's true that the Model S early days, like from what I've heard, and you can confirm this probably, the Model 3 early days are way better than the Model S and X early days. I've heard that, yes. From 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 people who own both, I have heard that, who got a Model who have a Model X and who got that early and then now also got a Model 3 early, they said it's the build quality is way better. Even though there were some issues, it it absolutely was better than previous uh, Model S and X launches. So I feel confident about that. And and honestly, like, you know, I'm glad to wait just a little bit longer for my configuration email because that little tiny bit of time that I have to wait longer is just more time for them to refine the production process. So I feel good about that. And then uh, the and so I I absolutely love the minimalism of the dash. It is shocking uh, to get in and see it, when, especially when you drive a regular internal combustion engine does it car. Feel, does it feel nice, though? Because the thing that I find from just looking at photos is even though I like the sparseness, because I can't smell the car and touch the car, I, I don't have a point of reference other than people's, you know, reports like Tim's or Alex Roy's, mm-hmm. uh, people I trust with their, with their you know, take on, on, automo- on automobile, automobiles. Um, it's like, is it, does it feel as premium as it, like it doesn't, it's hard for me to get a gauge of how premium it actually is from looking at photos. To me, it feels appropriate for the price point. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say that it feels beyond that. Like I, you're, you're definitely not getting the same interior luxury experience uh, in, in the way of like the way the materials feel and the way the, the way the car kind of feels while you're sitting in it. Like you don't get the same feeling that you would in, say, you know, a a, mo- a loaded Model S or uh, even even to that extent, like, you know, an $80,000 Mercedes. Like that's... Of course, yeah. You're you're just getting a completely different experience. You're getting a, a thirty five dollars to $50,000 or $60,000 car. And it, but it does feel appropriate for that price range. Um, so I, I didn't feel like I was underwhelmed or overwhelmed. I was just whelmed. <laughs> yes, why? That's it. Just <laughs> I hear whelmed. You, you were um, happily whelmed. You were m- middle whelmed. Um, I was. I was like, okay, this looks right for the price. This is, feels. Yeah, this feels like the right thing. See, so, right. that's been the issue for me with the Model S that I've been in. I've at the at the kind of Model seventy five price range. I feel that the interior of the Model S is appropriate, but I right. feel that if I had to buy like a P one hundred, you know, D, enough, uh, right? uh, you know, whatever it is, the the crazy uh, ludicrous edition. Yep. Uh, that at that point, if you go into like a seven series or a S class or uh, honestly even a, a Porsche Boxster, uh, you're gonna get uh, one hell of better experience in terms you're of materials. You're gonna get an materials. incredible interior interior material experience, and like and also, that's kind of why I hope Tesla can catch. I mean, not on the Model Three, but I think on the on the future cars in that price range, they're going to really need to be able, like the, the new Roadster, they're going to have to really crank it up a notch. Oh, I agree there. Um, I, the one thing that we didn't get to check out, and that was the thing that we were both kind of bummed about, was we got a review unit that had Alcantara, um, and they got rid of it. So now oh. the premium upgrade package does not feature Alcantara. It's a different material. Um, for what, and, for the headliner? Yes. 
And so oh, that sucks. So I love is, the is, I do too. And so, but we didn't get to check out what that was or what it would feel like. So I'm very curious um, to check out a, a Model Three. I have a friend who actually is having his delivered in the next like week or so, and uh, and I said I'm re- I'm dying to come check out the interior of your car. I want to I, now that I've seen. The Alcantara headliner. I want to see the difference uh, between. So the is the Alcantara headline, headliner dark or light colored? It was a. It was like a beige. Okay, because that's the one thing that I hate. Actually, I mean, I shouldn't say hate, but as somebody who's bought a lot of German high-end German cars, mm-hmm. I love the dark headliners. It doesn't matter oh, if it's Alcantara or not. Obviously, Alcantara is really nice, but to me, as a driver. I don't want bright colors in right. my line of sight. And well, so and also the beige A-pillars, just feels so pedestrian. Right, exactly. The beige head uh, A-pillar covering is always my big pet peeve. So I, I'm kind of bummed that to know that they're not going to, it's it's beige no matter what, even if it's Alcantara. I mean, Alcantara, honestly, yeah. is one of those materials that I believe should be in areas that are never touched by a human. You yes. know what I'm saying? Like Because <laughs> exactly it, it right. gets so grimy and it disgusting so when gross. touched. Yeah. Like, I, I know that, you know, this is a pipe dream that'll probably never happen. But if one day I can walk into a Porsche dealership and buy a GT3, uh, I will not want the Alcantara, which is the default option sure. on the steering wheel and gear no. shifter. Because Especially are you kidding? Especially not on the steering like, wheel. Ooh, like, why would you ever want so that on the disgusting. steering wheel? It's a terrible idea. I know. Oh, you know, I have a surface laptop with that Alcantara finish on the on the palm rest, oh, and I haven't really used it enough for it to get disgusting yet. But I but think that was a terrible <laughs> idea from Microsoft, and yeah. it's going to get so nasty. Ugh. Anybody yeah. who uses it on on a regular daily basis, I can't imagine that looking great in a, a month or two. I mean, I have to clean my my MacBook. I have to clean the the wrist wherever I rest my wrists. I have to clean it with a magic eraser like once every six months. Yeah. Have you noticed that if you don't clean it often enough, um, like, I mean, mine doesn't look disgusting even when it is dirty. Uh, but if you try to wipe it with just like, you know, some it kind of bathroom work. cleaner or it something, work. It, it leaves dirt still. Like yeah. you still have these weird, it looks like the aluminum is almost like oxidized Seared. and pitted. Yeah, it's You're right. Really you gross. have to use magic eraser. That's the only thing that'll clean it. Yeah, you have to use a magic eraser. And for anybody hoping to clean their MacBooks, it hot tip, use a magic eraser because it is amazing. It does it a is really amazing. good job. Yeah. Um, Just be aware that it does leave behind a little bit of dust, even if you use a slightly does. moist a magic eraser. So don't make don't let that get in between the keys and stuff because it, yeah. it becomes a bit of a hassle. Usually I will use a um a microfiber cloth that has like a little bit of um like that kind of stickiness to it like it's when you touch it it's got like that sticky feel to it and that pulls up a lot of the dust and then i'll go magic eraser and usually that takes care of it so one of the things i was really underwhelmed by Uh was actually it was the user experience that's that big beautiful 15 inch screen it's the only reference point you have in the car and some of the things that tim was showing me while he was driving are extremely odd choices <laughs> for for menu items. So uh, one of the things that people really love about, say, the Model S or any other car with um, sort of that like automatic follow distance um, and cruise control, things like that, are you're able to change it from a second stock on the steering wheel. And yeah. for whatever reason, Tesla omitted that second stock. Um, and so you have to go through like a couple of menu items, which really takes your eyes off the road. And um, and Tim had mentioned that, you know, he was like, oh, well, how could I 
possibly, you know, I, I probably don't use this a whole lot. So I guess maybe having it buried in Numenium. And he's like, and then I realized I actually do use it quite yeah, a bit. Because no, when too. you go from different types of driving, like city driving to freeway driving to, you know, different different times of day and night. He's like, you change it quite a bit. He's like, I didn't realize how much I changed it until I until had it wasn't to there. go through yeah. such a hassle, <laughs> exactly. until it was such a hassle to do it, right? And so um, so there was that. And then uh, and then the cruise control also, like you, you have to tap the screen every single time you want to change your cruise control speed by one mile an hour. Oh, God. And that also feels extremely clunky. And um, and and just looking at the user interface, there's so much. It looks like an iPhone uh, general settings menu, right? So <laughs> yeah. you have this big list of things on the left, and then you tap on it, and then it opens up on the right-hand side. And it's like, that's all well and good, but you're Tesla. Like, there's more you could have done here. And they, there's so much abuse of, like, or lack of, I guess I should say, there's so little use of negative space. Like there's so much negative space in these menus. Make the icons bigger, make them easier to see. Like there are a lot of different ways that these designers could have really done something special here. And it it just seems like they said, we just have to get the card done and then we'll improve on it later. And I don't love that. Like I of course, it's. I'm glad the one problem I have with the Model Three is the one thing that can be changed right, after yeah, the car yeah. gets delivered to me. Like, I'm very happy about that. I'm. I'm glad that's the case, and it is the only thing that is keeping my reservation. I mean, um, it seems like Elon's gotten the feedback loud and clear from a few people in his tweets, very and much, I think um, very much. I, and I mean, of course, Elon is not the only person here to deal with this, but. You know, he as a visionary leader of a company that, you know, he founded and is basically, you know, kind of, you know, really paying attention to is going to be, you know, uh, probably filtering that downward very rapidly. Right. I have a feeling, Ashley, that by the time we get our cars, this will have changed. I'm not saying it's going to be the way exactly so. we want it, but I think mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting. And, you know, Tim pointed out in his review, and I, I want to bring up Alex Roy's uh, story on the drive as well. If you get a chance to read it, I'll link uh, all of this in the, in the show notes. But um, he has a really good idea, which is the two scroll wheels on the steering wheel could be used for distance and speed adjustments in autopilot mode or or in adaptive cruise control mode, depending which you're using. Um, because I think, you know, honestly, even in my in my manual transmission car, both of them have a cruise control. And, you know, on the on the van, of course, it's like driving hundreds of miles, generally in a straight line on the freeway. And uh, you know, I, I do adjust the speed. I slow it down and speed it up with the with the lever even on a stick shift vehicle because I'm in gear right. and I'm on the freeway and you know, they don't, neither car has adaptive cruise control, but sometimes I don't need to hit the brakes or hit the accelerator to, I just can like right. adjust the speed a little bit by one mile or five mile increments, as you suggested on the camper, there's no increment. It's just basically you go a little faster, you go a bit a little slower uh, on the Porsche. I can actually increment it by, I think five, if I hold it down long and one, if I just tap it and I, I like, like that feature i think that feature is kind of an expected standard for cruise control and if you think about it autopilot is really cruise control on steroids so right. i want that and and i th really hope they use the few controls that they have on this vehicle which is essentially two stalks two scroll wheels and a couple of buttons on the steering wheels they could remap those easily to different purposes when based on a selection made 
by you know there's also the ability to rocker those scroll wheels left and right so i'm hoping that yeah. we can kind of select the the thing we want to modify by rocking left and right and if the number of menu um elements are the same like if there's five sub screens right one for the wipers one for autopilot one for whatever music and volume and stuff then we know it's easy to memorize how many clicks to the left how many clicks to the right you need right. to go to get back into that menu and to me that's the thing about a lot of that i love about a lot of modern cars like that a4 i was just driving i got used to it very quickly i only had it for a day as a rental but i got really quickly used to not having to look at the screen at all and remembering that three clicks to the right brought me to this menu and then one scroll up you know at that point gave me whatever feature i wanted and I can memorize these things. And as long as they don't change, we're good to go, right? And and I think right now there's not even that functionality. Like right now, you it, it's kind of like the Macintosh in the early days, like in 1984, where there were no keyboard shortcuts. Everything had to be done by moving the physical mouse cursor to the menu at the top and, you know, rolling yep. the menu down and clicking <laughs> on a selection. Like that has to go. Like, you know, we can't. You, you know, it's okay to get rid of physical controls to some extent. I get what Tesla's trying to do. You know, it's all about car sharing in the end, right? You know, that's, I think a lot of people not understanding that. I, I'm pretty confident, and I want your opinion on this, but I'm pretty confident that Tesla's going to introduce a Model 3 car sharing system that uses a Tesla app. And everybody's well, going to be able to do it. Isn't that what Elon had said? Like, that's the goal, right? Like, so at some point in the yeah, future, they want to have this as explicit sort of about it. But I think if you look at the fact that on a it's very rare on a $50,000 car to have the steering wheel electrically adjustable, right? Mm -hmm. um, most of the time, it's a me mechanical lever that allows you to, to adjust height, uh, like, you know, angle and reach. Um, but not electric. It's like you have to go into like 80,000 plus generally to get electric adjustments on that. So to me, that mm -hmm. just indicates that, you know, what if you could push one button and the entire car config would change to your liking, Right. Um, right. I, I, I'm maybe, maybe I'm wrong though. Does the entry level, do we know if the entry level model three, like the complete stripped base model, $35,000 one has electric seats because, don't know. because the, it has to, right? I mean, it, that's the, that, that would have would to be the requirement, so. right? I, I would imagine so. Because if it was, if it was intended to be used in that way in the future, you yeah, have to, yeah. but we, no one has seen the standard range. So we model don't know. Three, the, the actual $35,000 model three. No one has seen that yet. Well, be, well, it'd be interesting to see how, how that pans out, but I'm really pretty sure that, you know, I was in Zagreb last week in Croatia. If, if it's 10 years from now, or five years in the future, imagine I wanted to drive down to the coast. I could just, you know, and my model three sitting in my driveway, somebody borrows my model three while I'm away and I borrow somebody else's model three to go to the coast. And I just literally just by reserving it with the app, when I get in the car, it's my settings, it's my music, it's my nav preferences. It's everything that I like. Um, that is the future because the reality is this is I know some people are going to get a little tweaked out by this because they don't want to lend out their car and that's fine. You don't have to. That's me. I don't want to loan out. Neither do I, but you. I'll be honest with you. The more <laughs> I'm thinking about it, the more I'm thinking I might let that happen with the model three simply because, you know, if it's other model three owners, they're familiar with the car. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's so much automation in the car that. You know, hopefully when that automation is enabled to the point where you can, op you know, ob avoid obstacles. I don't remember, were you at CES that year that BMW demoed this uh, i3 that would never be able to hit anything? 
Yeah, they avoid. They Do you have remember that? You got in the car and you tried to hit, like you tried to park like an idiot where you were going to scrape the side of your car through like on the concrete post of the garage mm-hmm. and it wouldn't let you. Like, yeah. I, I'm hoping that we get to a point where it's like that. I mean, I'll have to suss it out, but I'll tell you this. I'll never I lend- think I worry the most, though, about people trashing the interior. Well, that's the like, one that's, thing that's that, the yeah. thing I worry but about that, more than but anything. But here's the thing. Notice there's an interior camera in the car. But it hasn't, well... It hasn't been activated, but it's there. It's in the hardware. It's there. Under the rear mirror is a camera. So what if you can, It you know, one of the, you know, what's it called? One of the ways you you have to agree to to loaning a car is to be agreed to be recorded. Mm -hmm. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, if somebody spills coffee or does something stupid, you have it on record and you can get that remedied. I think that's not a bad compromise. Like, I'll tell you this. I would never never lend out my Porsche to anyone except for maybe a, f- a close friend that I trust. But sure. Or like Tim, if he wanted to take it for a spin because I've seen him drive and I know I trust him, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that the, the Model 3, I'm probably going to be a little easier. First of all, you know, it's, no, it's not a manual car, so like anybody can drive it. Right. And because there is all this automation and the fact that, you know, it's just sitting on my driver, in my case, because I travel so much, it'll be sitting on my driver a lot. So, you know, I don't know. I think like the future is sharing these things because it doesn't really make sense for us to own cars that much anymore. I mean, as much as I'm a car person and I want to own my cars, I kind of rather spend my money on owning old classic cars and having some sort of appliance car that's still fun and still comfortable and still pleasant, like the Model 3, as my daily driver, you know? And then if it's my daily driver, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to lease it. I'm going to keep it forever. So it's fine if it gets, you know, uh, rented out, as long as, as you said, it doesn't get trashed. And that's kind of the big, the big question mark right yeah yeah and i think well so like on this track i think elon has talked about this pretty candidly when he said you know because a lot of people were expecting a really cheap model three and they they wanted it to be twenty thousand dollars you know they that's the car they you know that's of course doesn't everyone (laughs) and he had said you know the the price of the model three didn't really matter once this rideshare service type thing really is able to take off once they have which who knows when you know something like full self-driving or something close to it might uh be available to you but the thing is is like there's no reason why because the model 3 can unlock via your app yeah uh there's no reason why you couldn't have a ride sharing app that you participate in somebody rents your car they take their phone and that's the key. You get a unique, you know, one time key. use key. Just like yeah. you would give, just like you would give somebody. Uh, I have a security system at my house. Whenever I have guests uh, come over and take care of our dogs, they get a special security code that I can set for them that expires exactly once I get back. Yep. And so, um, so it would be similar to that. They would walk up to the car, they'd unlock it, they'd be able to drive it. Um, and you know, he talked about the, the one time he really talked about this, he was saying, he's like, you know, so much of the day, your car is doing nothing. Exactly. You know, like you go to the office, you probably don't drive your car 80% of your day, uh, maybe less. And so he's, or maybe more than that. So he's like, you know, it makes sense for you to drive your car to work and then send it off to go be its own Uber, (laughs) basically. (laughs) Yep. And then, and then that, that payments, those payments that you get would go toward the cost of your car. Right. And so really you would never actually, you would never actually be paying a monthly payment for the car because it would 
it would be earning its keep almost. Yeah. And I think that that brings on uh, like a bunch of assumptions that I think a lot of people are not ready to make yet. And it's a cultural shift that's going to have to happen. But these assumptions oh, as much. you're leasing your car at that point. I mean, honestly, if I own the car, then the mileage would matter to me, right? Uh, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. But in this case, I'm if I'm leasing the car, then well, okay, we're good, you know? Um, right. Because I don't really care so much about wear and tear at that point. Uh, I mean, a little bit, but I don't really care about the miles so much. But I think that that a lot of people are not ready for that. In America, people are very attached to owning their car. It's a cultural thing. And that shift needs to happen. But I think that shift is happening for a lot of people. A lot of people, especially younger people today, I think to them, a car is just an appliance. It's a way to get from point A to point B. And driving is a chore and they don't really care. And in that sense- yeah. Gen Z is absolutely a generation of of kids who are going to grow up and go, ugh, I don't want to drive my own car. I have Lyft. I have Uber. Exactly. I have a self-driving car. Like, why do I want to drive a car? Like, that seems dumb. Yeah. So I think because of that, you know, there's going to be a potential for that. But those of us who are a bit older, I think, you know, I will still want to own it. And but I'm not going to own own it. It's going to be leased. And, right. you know, if I do share it out, I'm going to put some restrictions on them. I'm going to put sure. restrictions on they have to be Model 3 owners themselves because mm-hmm. they want I want them to be familiar with the car. And because and car. because I want, uh, you know, to kind of raise unless the, we were level five autonomous exactly. driving. But even then, I would and, absolutely you know, want them to be and tear. Right. I mean, the bottom line is, right. yes, you know, the fact that Tesla owners are maybe a little well off today than uh, the average person. Uh, and and I'm I'm assuming Model 3 owners here, um, you know, sure, it doesn't it doesn't mean that they're not slobs. Right. It doesn't mean that they're mm-hmm. not dirty and disgusting. Um, but the reality is, I think it does filter out some stuff. And and so I would set that. And I would also set things like, you know, I would probably, if it's possible, like there's definitely going to be no smoking in my car of any kind. Not even yeah, 420. Not happening. Sorry. No, because nothing. my spouse no. is allergic to, to that. Right. So it's not happening. Uh, the other well, you thing. You can't get that stuff out. Like it's, you can't. It's impossible to get. And then the other out. thing that would so happen hard. is uh, no food in the car would be one of my rules. I don't know how I would enforce that, but it would be in the, in the in the agreement. And then you know, hopefully, I could set some terms. And then you know, I would probably cap the number of miles that the car can be done in a like in a day. Sure. Even even you even if like, I oh, leased fi- it 40, 40 miles most. Yeah, or like whatever. fifty miles a day or something max. Yeah. Um, because you know, ultimately, you know, with lease, you have to pay mileage overage and stuff. So maybe the way Tesla leases will work in the future when car sharing is enabled on Model 3 is that the mileage on borrowed is not going to count towards your lease mileage. It could be that, right? Like they could do that. Think about that. Nobody's done that yet, but it could be an interesting business model because electric cars don't wear Mm -hmm. and tear like normal cars. I mean, the only thing you're going to have to worry about with mileage here is potentially the brake pads a little bit, even though regen really, really minimizes wear, wear quite a bit. And then the other thing is tire wear, which is from what I've heard on Model S's and Model X's, especially the Model S, the rear wheel drive Model S is a bit high. And because all this torque is sent to the rear wheels and these tires wear out, like it's just going to happen. And, you know, people skimp on tires a lot. It's a terrible thing. Like, honestly, I think if you're a car owner of any kind, never skimp on new tires, always change your tires often and spend the money. It's totally worth it. It's the, the most important probably one of the most important things you can invest in making your car safe and and because you know it, it's it's just such an important thing so yes there's going to be some wear issues there, but it's not going to be where like there's no oil changes there's no 
you know, mechanically the engine, the, the motor, sorry, doesn't wear really that much, right? I mean, a little bit bearings right. wear, but that's about it. And the bearings are probably designed to last 40 years or something. I, I might mean, worry about the battery. Like the if battery. Yeah, you're right about the time. that. Uh-huh. But, yeah. but like, generally speaking, I think, like you said, I mean, you just, you don't have the wear and tear issues um as soon as you do on a regular yeah so i could see a, a situation where tesla says you can lease a car from us but any mileage incurred from car sharing does not count towards your final mileage right. and they can keep track of that because they have the app like they have the whole centralized mm -hmm. system mm -hmm. it'd be interesting to see i mean look it's a, it's the part of the reason i'm getting a model three is because i think it's a big experiment and, and it ticks the boxes for me it's you know I, I haven't driven it but i've driven the model s and i like the way it drives um, I like the, I like how comfortable it is. I like the, you know, I like the, the way it feels, at least my experience on the Model S, hopefully it translates to the three. And so all of this indicates that I wanted to be a, and also, you know, I'm an early adopter and I want to try this out and I feel this is going to be a milestone product that's, we're going to look back at the Model 3 like we did at the, at the iPhone as a game changer. And, and to some extent, we're already doing that with the Model S, but the Model S is not accessible. So, right. so I think the Model 3 is really going to be the one we look back at as a game changer. So I want to be a part of that, but I'm also willing to be a part of the experiment. And I, that means I'm willing to try different things, like to, I'm willing to potentially loan my car out. I'm willing to potentially look at another way of owning my car or leasing my car. And, and that's why I'm doing it, folks. It's like not etched in stone. And ultimately, if I want to drive a good old analog car, I have two of them to deal with. It's perfectly great. I'm very lucky to have these options. So that's kind of where I'm at with all that. Yeah. 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 I, my, I think my biggest question uh -huh. about all of that like i th if you get past all that and you're super down for it i think the biggest question is how will insurance companies insure your car and would they be willing to well i think there's a very simple solution to this tesla and bundles the insurance in yeah done they, they would have to i mean it, it's just they would just absolutely i, I think they, there's no reason they can't in the same way as a lot of car companies have their own financing services yeah i mean where do you draw the line at this point like why not True. I mean, that's a good point. So done. I mean, look, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm going to continue with my insurance. I'm happy with them. But, you know, look, we're early adopters. I'm saying a lot of these things are going to happen in five years, you know, like five years from now, when we're going to have this conversation, we're going to look back at this podcast and say like, yeah, look, this is what we were wrong about. And this is what we were right about. And I bet you half of it will be right and half of it will be wrong. And it'll be really interesting to see how it pans out. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm glad that your experience mirrors what i've been i've heard from it. it's that's the one thing that's made me very excited about the model 3 is now that the reviews are rolling out everybody seems to be on the same page whether they're tech journalists or car journalists they seem to all kind of be on the same page of like you know mm -hmm. the user experience needs some love thankfully it's just software so it can be fixed um the car itself is great, you know, and, you know, of course, a lot of people are, are caveating the whole, like, this is the, you know, $56,000 car, not the $35,000 mm -hmm. car. But, you know, you get the government discounts. I'm really hoping we still manage to get our discounts, you and I, you know, because we're we California will. people. I think we'll be fine. Yeah. I hope so, because that's kind of obviously. Because it's, it's two quarters after they hit that 200000 mark. Yeah. So. And I have a feeling the, that, that Tesla is smart enough to time whatever uh, 200000th car delivery um towards the beginning of uh, toward the end of a quarter um or i'm sorry toward the beginning of a quarter 
Uh, and then that way, if they, so let's say it's Q, Q3, the beginning of Q3. So they deliver that 200,000th car in on July 1st. Yeah. Uh, then that would mean not only do does everybody in that quarter get the, the rebate, the tax uh, credit li- or the tax liability credit, um, then the two quarters following that. So it's three full quarters after. Yeah. So they we, hit that we'll, we'll get mark, it. But they just can't deliver their 200,000th car on June 30th. Like that would be bad. Right. Cause then and it's honestly, only I don't think they months. will at this rate. So yeah, no, God, no, no. I don't. Yeah. I don't think they will either. So well, I think we're safe. Um, yeah, I think but, we're fine. um, you know, I'm, I'm just excited. I'm Mar- looking forward Miriam, to it. When do you think, when do you think you're going to get your configuration email? Cause I have some thoughts on this. And so right now my, um, my, I'm looking at it right now. My model three reservation uh-huh. says, um, my delivery estimator, uh-huh. Let me have a look December, at mine. December through February. So so February 2018 is the... And I like to think the delivery estimator is the email delivery estimator. <laughs> like, I like to think oh, it's yeah, the configuration yeah, yeah. email. Yeah. Let me so have a look I still at think, mine. I still think that I have a chance to configure my car by the end of this month. And I do believe that by the end of this month, I will have had my configuration email delivered into my inbox. I think you're a little optimistic. Do you think so? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Let's see, where is that info? I'm looking for mine. So next steps. I have some math to back that up. Can I? Can yeah, I yeah, it? no, go for it. I want to hear I, it. Can yeah, I yeah. theorize this? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So before the event on March 31st, 2016, Elon said there were about 110 to 120,000 reservations that had been made, right? Yeah. So of those, let's say uh how many employees does tesla and spacex have Ten thousand people it's not a lot yeah it's not a lot it's not a lot so let's just say ten thousand. and of those let's say 20 percent of them order a model three it's uh-huh. only a couple it's only a couple thousand cars so so they get those out of the way and then now you have owners uh existing owners of teslas which as of this point is, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of what, 160,000 people? Yeah. And what percentage of those are getting, uh, let's say, how m- what percentage of those would you say pre-ordered a Model 3 that want a second Tesla in their home and maybe already own a Model X? I don't a Model know, a S quarter, I would say. say. Say, let's just say 20% again. Let's just, let's right. just slightly lowball. Let's say 20% of, of uh, 150,000. So you're looking at another, you know, three three thousand yeah. cars. Yeah. So another three thousand cars. So that's five thousand cars. Um, and then you're looking at non-owners. So, so I think we're we're starting to get to the end because if you see the um the VIN numbers, ah, we're starting to see some some good numbers. high VIN numbers yeah, yeah. around the five five thousand mark. So I think we're finally getting to the end of uh pre of pre of Existing owners who live in the United States. Right. So, so, and also don't forget that some of those existing owners are opting for either the standard range or dual motors. Right. You're right. So, so if we, if we do that math and then we say, okay, so that's 5,000 people like removed. So that, so it probably leaves like a hundred thousand people, uh, with reservations that happened the first day. Uh, who who still want cars delivered. Now I'd say probably I'm gonna say fifty percent of those people 
want a standard range thirty five thousand dollar Model Three. Right. They're not going to pay for the for the 50, premium. You model. think fifty percent? Yes, absolutely. I actually think a lot of us are just going to go for it because we're early adopters. That's I, why we I, reserved. I, I, Here's the thing, though. Remember with the Model 3 that it is the first mass market car that Tesla's making. True. So a lot of people pre-ordered this car on the on the idea that it is a $35,000 Tesla. Right. They're, they don't have the money to afford a $60,000 Model 3. So like I have I a lot of friends I have who are the like, money I'd to love. $60,000 <laughs> yeah, exactly, Tesla, exactly, to be honest right? with you. I'm already, I'm like a little bit scared about that car payment. So I'm and I've been saving like for the last like eight months. I'm like just put I'm socking away every dollar that I have extra. Nice. <laughs> just like oh please, so so you let's say fifty thousand of those people. Okay, so we have fifty thousand people left, right? Who who might order the first production model and are not going to wait for either the standard or the dual motor, right? So of those fifty thousand people who pre-ordered on day one, like all of those factors, how many of them live in California? Live in California, uh, who or on the West Coast, yeah, and who have not either want to like like I said, I think fifth like we're we're in a pretty tight group of people. Like I I, I think really believe right. like yeah. we'll get it. So soon. by the way, my mine says January to March two thousand eighteen for first production. January That's to March. That's my estimate. Okay, mine says December to February twenty eighteen. So you're a little ahead of me, just a little bit. So when you get yours. Let us know. I'll let you know. Yeah, because mine is probably going to be a we month have, after you. We still haven't seen. We still haven't seen on the Tesla subreddit. Like, I don't think I've seen any non-owners get their emails yet. No, non-owners haven't. So that'll be a big news story once they do, and I'm hoping that will be one of the stories that I report on on Tesla Track. Do you think the, the reservation month? numbers have a good indication of of where you are in the I queue? Don't. No, I it's don't. It's random, right? No. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. Um, so you'd have they would have thought of that. Yeah. People would be scrapping but, in the streets and fighting for them. <laughs> I know, I know. But yeah, I think I, I really think that. So if we say like fifty thousand people in in the U.S. and abroad who ordered, like, and who are who are maybe not getting who want to you know first production model or whatever, West Coast. Like, I can't imagine it's more than fifteen thousand people who are ca- like West Coast California, like high high, uh, you know, first production model, like everything, like loaded out. I think we're in a very small group of people. I wonder if they're going to prioritize people. 20,000 at most. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to prioritize people that are closer to Fremont. Um, I think it's just California okay. because it's easier to get the car back to Fremont. Right. There is a, a delivery center in, uh, in LA somewhere, right? Well, probably yes, in, in, uh, in, Marina, in Hawthorne. Marina Del Rey. Oh, Maria Del Rey. Marina okay. Del Rey. It's, it's very close to Hawthorne, yeah. Marina Del Rey. Apparently, it's very nice, and apparently, you get, like, a ridiculous delivery experience there. Like, you, they treat you like a freaking rock star. I hope they so do I'm, that in Fremont. I'm really looking forward to that. Because <laughs> I'll be in Fremont when I get mine, for sure. Oh, it's so exciting. I thought about flying up there and picking mine up at Fremont, but then I was like, oh, I don't want to put all those miles on it, like, right out of the gate. Come like, on, you know you want to drive down the PCH no! right Come on. Come I know, on. I do. No, no, well, I definitely PCH do. the PCH is full of landslides. I don't think it's open half of it. Anyway. I was going to say, I have to wait for them to clean up PCH because I, I will get about halfway and then I have like, bad news you for turn you. Around. I don't think the, P- the PCH is ever going to be cleaned up because of global climate no. change. And it's just going to get keep getting destroyed by more and more mudslides and we'll it's never be able to drive it. I, I hate to say that, but it's true. And then all I have is the five. And who wants to drive oh, that? Oh, no. Just a bunch of bugs. No way. I'm taking, a bunch of bugs. I'm, I'm not taking the five 
ever with no nope. actually i probably will because of autopilot and because if i need yeah, to get to la quickly it's definitely nice it. listen i want to switch gears really quick because we have a, another 15 20 minutes or so to chat and um want to talk about the news of the day which i know we're like look we're both total like we could nerd out for two hours on the model three uh, sure but the 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 intel vaunt smart glasses that were not announced but kind of like revealed through this i guess uh, the verge had an exclusive um i don't know if they seeded that to all the media outlets or not but uh, certainly the verge has a, a really uh, cool story uh, Dieter wrote that Dieter bond Dieter and, did a nice job yeah and the he video is really that. interesting um what is your take on that i okay so i talked about this on twit yesterday too a little bit um i Okay, so my glasses yeah. are... You and for, I are glasses are, people, just so in case listeners yeah. don't know. Ashley and I wear glasses, and we have an, an incredible selection of really awesome-looking glasses. I'd like I to do. say that Ashley's glasses are like, wow. I am known for my glasses. My business card doesn't have a picture of me on them. It literally is a picture of my glasses. So that's, there you go. That's it. That's, it, is, it is my actual and genuine calling card. Yeah, we know glasses, and we're picky glass bitches yeah, very much and so um so for me like these look still dorky like they're much less dorky than anything we've seen previously and i am super happy yeah, about me that too. yeah um I'm, I'm really happy about that and i'm terribly fascinated by the technology of it which is a projection that you can if you're looking downwards your pupils point downwards you're able to see it but if you just look up in your regular line of sight it disappears i know that's amazing i know that's amazing like i'm really into that yeah. that's the technology that i'm into and that's the stuff that makes me believe ar will be the mainstream adopted technology over virtual reality because virtual reality you're closing yourself off to people and in augmented reality, oh, it's there with you. I absolutely hate VR because of that. I'm, I don't hate VR. I right. think it's great for gaming and stuff. I, I also there's two it's problems a, it's, yeah, with it's VR. Yeah, it's a very specific experience based. It closes um, you technology. off, right? Like as you said, but it also the problem with VR is right now it's not really mobile. To get the really good quality right. VR, you're tethered you to some backpack, computer. Computer it's a and a nightmare. I've always said that VR is a subset of AR. VR is you take a, a AR device in the future. I ideally in the in you know you will take you'll just put a you'll just put a face mask like you know one of those mm -hmm. like sleeping masks that, that covers your eyes when you want to sleep on a right. plane you'll It'll just be, like be wearing your glass and you'll put one of those on and you'll be suddenly playing a vr game because your ar glasses will be covered up but it'll be your ar glasses playing the game that's that's the future right. that's where it's going folks so i'm excited about the technology i agree with you they look a little dorky but I'm amazed at how light they are and how the electronics are only contained in the two in the two arms and that they're tiny electronics and that they're flexible and that the battery life supposedly is up, you know, they're talking about 18 hours. Um, and I'm also excited how simple it is. I want to preface and say that uh, Itai Fonchak, who is one of the main people on that team, uh, is somebody I work with at Pebble. He was in charge of the design of the user experience, the, the UI for the, the Pebble Time. Uh, so basically the second generation Pebble smartwatch UI. He worked with me at Pebble. He's he's a good friend. Uh, I knew he was at Intel working on something new. I had no idea it was smart glasses. So kudos to him and his team. Uh, also, uh, 
Kian Wong, uh, Kian on that team is 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 uh, it was worked worked at Pebble as one of the main software folks there, and and that team is is bunch of super smart super awesome people mm-hmm. so i'm i'm excited Very about thoughtful too in that interview on, on that Dieter did with him with von Schack. it's like really yeah, good yeah yeah so you know, it's it is i was right it's kian wong for some reason i thought i was mispronouncing it but yeah uh, kian and, and itai work with me at pebble and uh we we got along superbly and i'm super excited about what they're doing in intel and i knew intel was up to something because they'd been so quiet about wearables for so long all i knew is what that that itai was working on some new wearables and now we know what it is and wow it's just super yeah. exciting to me. I, I'm just, the really technology cool. is amazing. I love how simple it is. I love that it's only red. I love that it's on the bottom of your field of view only when you look down and it's always in focus mm-hmm. no matter what your prescription is. I love that it's just notification like Pebble was because honestly, the only reason I wear a smartwatch, well, there's two reasons. The most obvious one is because they tell the time. And this is my biggest beef with Apple Watch. The fact that it's not on all the time, showing the time all the time. A watch should be showing the time when you put it down on your desk and you glance at it and the apple watch doesn't do that now i know they're trying to save save the oled from burning and all that i get all this but i don't like the apple watch because of that and i don't like the apple watch because it's square and i don't like square watches although there have been some mm-hmm. gorgeous square watches made by you know uh you know the biggest the biggest luxurious watch brands over the years i just feel like round is my thing and that's why i wear right now you know very meh huawei watch 2 with a custom leather band because i don't like the fact that it looks too sporty with the built-in band but yeah I wear it because it's an OLED display that tells the time always. And I know from my first uh, few OLED smartwatches that the wear- display will wear out with always on, uh, and which is an Android Wear feature because it, it just does. And and I don't care because for me, it's a, it's a device that I you know got as a review unit. But I understand why Apple turns off the display. But to me, telling the time always matters. And then the second thing, and this yeah. is where those glasses come in, the second thing that I use my watch for is notifications. The ability to just glance down on my watch when I'm in the middle of dinner and I don't want to be interrupted, but at the same time, something important might happen. I can glance down and go, oh, this is not important. Or, oh, I got this it. is yeah. critical. I need to take care of it. I'm really sorry. Can you excuse me for a second? This is why I want those glasses. And it, and honestly, they pair with your phone over Bluetooth. That's exactly what Pebble did so well. And I think we yeah. need more of that. So I am on board and, and, you know, I wear glasses and I like fashionable glasses. So I hope it comes in all shapes and sizes, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. And and so I am um it is very difficult to get me to wear anything on my wrists. I yeah. hate it. You're like you're like you, you'll chew it off like a dog chews off their collar. I, I do. I will chew my wrist off. I hate I hate wearing things on my wrists. <laughs> I they drive me crazy. It just like feels like it's just dangling there, dry, just making me crazy all day. And um and so at, no one has been able to get me to buy a smartwatch yet. And and so this seems like better for me because, oh, I wear glasses already. Now, the, the key for me here is yeah. I will only accept this as a workable mass market technology when I can buy the tiny little device that makes the projection and I can stick it on the inside of my glasses and it works. That's yeah, what I, I think that's ultimately what they need to do. And, you know, we tr- I, I, I could go on, I could write a book about Pebble, but when I was at Pebble, one of the things we were experimenting with is potentially partnerships with companies like Nixon and and in all the other all the you know fashion watch companies that are affordable like Swatch and and you know Guess and and Diesel because ultimately you know 
licensing the technology is the way to go. Like if yeah. if if glasses makers made all their uh, prescription glasses with a tiny little um, cavity that's empty, right? Uh, right, on the, exactly. On both or just sides, even and a couple just, of models, you just pop, like in their line, right? Exactly, and you just pop the electronics in there, or either they do it at the factory so that it's done properly. Right. But the point is that it's the same model as without, and you could get the choice. That is, I think, exactly. where we need to go with this stuff for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I think even just making that space, you know, like one of the things I really love about, uh, I have these Turtle Beach headphones. Yeah, and I love them because the the ear cups the pads you can remove them and there is a there's a notch or like a dial on the inside uh-huh. and you basically turn it and it it makes an indent in the pad for your glasses oh my god seriously that's so cool yes it is okay it is such a simple thing and yet somehow it is the most brilliant like small detail item on a pair of headphones i've ever seen in my life and it makes wearing your glasses with a pair of big like gaming headphones so much better a completely different experience i mean it is so much better your glasses the arms of your glasses are not being shoved against your temples and you can actually play for longer periods of time and it's it's such a small detail but again like you said with vaunt like the same type of technology if we have these ideas in glasses design if this is a thing that really cascades over to the mainstream you're going to be able to sit there and say okay well i'm a glasses manufacturer i'm luxotica i own you know 80 percent of the glasses market or whatever and i'm going to make these ray-bans very specifically have a like you said a notch so you can buy them in uh black you can buy them in silver or you can buy them with this tech upgrade notch like so that you can put your your shit in there like you put your vaunt technology in there like that is exactly right yeah and i think that's the future and I think that's what we have to do. It has to be able to incorporate into people's daily lives. Like, and you should be able to just buy a pair of non-prescription glasses to, to wear these, you know, to use it. Like, yes, absolutely. Um, people wear non-prescription glasses all the time for fashion yeah, purposes. Totally. And so why not just continue this with technology? And it totally the- makes sense. Although I will say it totally reminds me of... Uh, Futurama, where they do the iPhone, where it's literally <laughs> a phone in your eye. Like, I was like, oh my God, this is Futurama. Futurama predicted this. Futurama yep, did it. For sure. <laughs> no, I think to me, the reason I want the notch is because like ultimately, I think at early days, the technology is going to be pretty expensive. If you can swap it from glass to glass, uh, to like from pair of glasses to pair of glasses, I think it's would mm-hmm. be much more affordable. Like the reality yeah, is much. I wear three different pairs of glasses most most of the time. I have my reading glasses yeah. when I read and when, when I sit at the computer for long periods of time. I wear a normal pair of glasses when I'm driving, walking around and doing my everyday life. I can still read yep. with them, but they're not optimized for being in front of the computer or in front of a, a, a phone for a long time. Um, and then I have a pair of ex- prescription sunglasses, which are basically the same yeah. as my normal re- normal glass, not the reading ones, the normal ones. That's that I, me. And I use yep. those for driving and I use those I use basically. Whenever I'm outside. Yeah. When, I <laughs> so mean, like for my me, vampire more, sunglasses that are massive and block out the sun. For me, they're mostly, in the, they're, they, they live in my, in, in my cars and I just like change them from car to car. Um, but right. it'd be nice to like, you know, I think in the early days, it's going to be really expensive to have three sets of these electronics, right? So I think the the swappable thing is going to be critical and I, I don't know critical. how they can pull it off but hopefully you know it's it's user it's something that yeah. users can do also that way you know DIYers to where I feel like it's possible yeah and you know DIYers I mean? could make their own glasses like you know if right. if the manufacturer in 5 to 10 years yeah it feels like you we could, could 3D see this from major 
glasses brands. 3D print your own glasses. Or if right. you have an old pair, um, like have the retrofit like retrofit them by like having bring them to a, a shop or even doing it at home, yeah. uh, you know, of machining out the little cavity. Um, sure. I mean, whatever. I mean, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a whole industry around customizing these things. It's going to be freaking awesome yeah. because ultimately it's this is be what really people cool. want. They want their like yeah. glasses are super personal. And I like that Itai said that in the interview, you know, and people want to be able to customize. So I'm super stoked about this tech. Um, if you, you know, I'll, I'll link to the Verge story because I think it's the best one out there since they got, I think pretty sure they got that exclusive, uh, or at least the first look yeah. at it. Um, and you know, this is not going to be commercialized for a while, so it's going to take a while to go out there, but I honestly cannot wait because then I can stop wearing a smartwatch really, because that's really all I need. The time displayed all and the notifications when they're critical. That's it. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's all it needs to be. Just simplify it. And, and really... Again, with Gen Z, this is going to be a generation of kids who, much like I said this on Twitter yesterday, much like Bane in The Dark Knight Rises, so much of us, so many of us, like Oregon Trail generation, Gen X, <laughs> yeah. before, and before that, are have had to learn uh, the 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 connected age, right? Like yeah. this is a thing that we did not grow up with. These totally. kids literally grow up they 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 were born into it um yeah. and and this is what they are used to and so they will find ways to to simplify it they will find ways to remove themselves from it much like millennials so gen x is like notorious for being proud of working these like you know 60 hour work weeks and stuff like that in the late 90s and then it we had this tide change when millennials entered the workplace and they said well whoa 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 no like i don't live to work i work to live exactly and they have changed fundamentally changed the way that we do business in a lot of ways in this country for better or for worse i mean whether you you know think that's a good thing or a bad thing and also like the gig economy kind of grew out of this like the side hustle like all this stuff is sort of very much like has grown out of uh you know the way millennials think and and also the the actual economy, the way that it has gone. So after the crash in 2008, like we that was a time where a lot of millennials were just getting into the workplace. And so the gig economy kind of sprouted up. It was a way for people to make extra cash yeah. uh, when they couldn't find a job and stuff like that. So I think Gen Z is going to have a very interesting take on how technology should interact with you in your everyday life and how intrusive it needs to be and how how non-intrusive it could be. And Indeed, I, I'm yeah. very curious to see how that evolves over the next 20 years. Yeah, me too. I mean, look, I think this is great. This is, this, this is for me, like a bit of a pebble moment. And it's kind of ironic that Itai and, and, and Kian and some of that team was at a pebble because it's like pebble showed what a smartwatch could do and that it was a real thing and it was a fashionable thing and it was customizable and it was cool. And Apple, of course, because Apple has like unlimited resources, basically did it almost right as i said with the caveat that it doesn't always tell the time and it's square right now come on apple you can do better than that um but overall it's clearly a success story the apple watch right i mean it is by far the number one smart wearable right um so obviously you know we're at the very beginning here with this product. And I think this is very the beginning in a good way, not the beginning in it's a Google exciting. Glass way, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very exciting. I laughed so hard this morning. I saw Scoble 
put up a post and he's like, is anybody interested in this? I would buy it. And I'm like, of course you would. You bought Google Glass. Like everyone knows you're going to buy it. Like you I've don't have stopped, to say that. I've stopped following Scoble after all the crazy stories. I, I just <sighs> yeah. can't. I just can't deal. Just, I'm sorry. Ugh. I like Robert, no, you I, know, but like, ugh. so, um, Moving on. I have, you know, weird. So many people in this last year, I've been like, I like XYZ, but ugh. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. So uh, just quickly filling up some news stories. Uh, I know we've got about five, 10 minutes to wrap things up, but I wanted to touch on a few things. Uh, the uh, OnePlus just launched for Valentine's special uh, a uh, Lava Red OnePlus 5T for $599. Oh, it's going to be available starting tomorrow, I believe. Uh, check out the unboxing video in the show notes that I did. I, I got one under embargo. Um, in case you haven't seen the Lava Red OnePlus 5T, it is super hot. Like it is one of those. My Maybe. video does not give it justice in terms of the shade of red that 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 it has. It's super bright, beautiful red. I do have a tweet with a photo of the phone from CES. If you go on my Twitter feed and rewind a few tweets, uh, like probably a hundred tweets back, you will find it there. And that actually gives you a good idea what the color looks like because my video doesn't capture the beautiful brightness of this. It's called Lava Red for a reason. Very hot. I don't know if you like colored phones, but this is a nice one. I do. I'm so tired of black slabs, you know? Yeah, for Let's sure. Let's add a little color. Phones should be phones should be fun. Yeah, and this like, is one. I my, mean, where's my Aqua phone? I like, know. Where's I one mean, that's like a beautiful Tiffany blue? Like, where's that phone? I want that. Yeah, I love how uh, you know in Korea and Japan and China, you know, colored phones are kind of the norm. Like they have blues and they have yeah. purples and pinks. Well, they're and, so stylish. And, they're and, much and they're, more stylish. Yeah, I than think us. we need that. And I think uh, it's nice to see OnePlus doing. It. It's a little harder when you're doing an aluminum phone. Like if you're doing a glass phone, like a sure. glass sandwich, like Samsung has on the Galaxies and LG on the and the recent phones. Mm-hmm. You know, you just it's easier to produce easier. colored glass um, but yeah. anodizing an entire back panel like they did on the OnePlus 5T there is a lot more work so you know yeah. when I saw that phone it's I was like so oh wouldn't it be though. great Ugh. and then they brought it they brought it to us for Valentine's so it's a hundred dollars well, it's a bit more I guess I think it's a hundred dollars more than the uh, than the regular it's, you know what though like but, I consider that to be if it if it is a little bit more I would consider that to be very similar to paying to have like Remember when the uh, iPhone 5, like, uh, they had a color, like, color wear. Somebody was anodizing the metal, and they could change the color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they would switch out your I had a hot pink iPhone 5. Nice. And I loved it. It was uh, that's awesome. great. Like, it matched my glasses. Like, I, I dug it. Yeah, and, color um, wear does some really cool stuff. It's kind of pricey, though, but it is really hot. So, if you, you always have yeah, color so wear if you want to customize, for sure. Um, Sorry about my dog. Oh, they, they just, I don't know what the hell they're barking at. Don't worry. They're very faint right now. It's totally fine. Um, they're, okay, good. <laughs> in other news, there is some good stuff around uh, Huawei rumors. Well, they're not rumors because we've seen actually some uh, some announcement about a triple camera f- lens in the back of the P20. And it's not, I don't think it's a rumor or a leak, but this is really interesting because they're promising hybrid five times zoom. Um and, uh, you know, these are three Leica lenses in the back. So I think what they have here is the setup they have on the on the P10 and the Mate 10, which is, you know, uh, 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 high quality, uh, low light performing uh, OIS color camera. There's a monochrome, higher resolution, non-OIS camera. And then I guess what they're adding to that is a 
telephoto lens like the iPhone and the Note 8 to add more zoom because right now they can do hybrid zoom up to two times by combining the 16 megapixel I believe it is or 12 or whatever it is I think it might mm-hmm. be 12 uh, main camera color one with the 20 megapixel co- uh, monochrome but now they're adding a you know color a telephoto so it's basically like combining what they've been doing so far with what the iPhone and the Note 8 are doing this doesn't look like a rumor. This looks real. So it's this interesting. Uh, and then uh, there's also dual cameras in the front of that phone, which, you know, and, and, and Huawei has been hinting at this for a while now at the press conference at CES in various mm-hmm. meetings with me uh, in the last few months that they're going to do some sort of face ID competitor. And to me, seeing those two cameras in the front of the phones tells me that there might be the first Android phone that actually does Face ID, where Face ID is actually used for authentication as a primary means of authentication. In addition right. to a fingerprint reader, you get the choice this time. And that it will, you will be... See, I like, would love that on the iPhone and, and And that you'll be able to use it for, for, and for Google Pay. It used to be called Android Pay. But mm-hmm. because, you know, that's the thing. Like the OnePlus 5T we just talked about and, and other phones like the, the I think the Honor 7, X or the View 10 just got that feature from Huawei. Uh, You know, you can unlock with your face, um, but it's not like you can't use it for like as a primary mean of authentication, like for payment and stuff. Whereas as we know, Face ID on the iPhone, you can use for payment. So, you know, I'm waiting for maybe the P20 will be the first Android phone to do that right. And you're right. Having a choice would be nice. Although, to oh, be honest, so you my like, iPhone 10 I now, just want a choice, Miriam. Is that too hard to ask? No, like, I think but, that'll actually but be it's on not the next what version does. of the iPhone 10. Apple does. Do no, some... Apple, Apple will never bring back the fingerprint. This is done. This is I done, just, done, done. And they honestly, need to make it so that I can unlock it while I'm laying down. Yeah. Like in my bed, I can't even unlock my phone while I'm laying down. I have to like, oh, op- I have to sit there and I have to and like look at it, type yeah. in my passcode and I can't do it while I'm like laying on my side or like just <laughs> hanging out on my couch. Like it's so frustrating. I can't unlock it while I'm driving. Like if I need, if I get an important text message, yeah, I can't, it's on a mount in my car. I can't like lean over and right. have it scan my face. <laughs> I honestly so haven't to found to it to hit, be hit touch ID. I haven't found it to be a problem with Face ID on my iPhone 10. And then again, it's not my primary phone, so I don't use it every day. Yeah. I, my primary Most phone is a Pixel time, 2 XL. Most of the time, it's good. It's really, really good. It's really impressive. It does a good job. Listen, I've like we talked about. I have like a million pairs of glasses. It has recognized yeah, me. Yeah, it works, all of right? Them, including my sunglasses, oh, which good. is great. Good. But like. But on that same note, like there are so many use cases where it just doesn't work. I mean, it just uh, if I'm laying on my side, if I'm hanging, if I just want to like relax on the couch, like I have to like sit up and and look at and hold the phone right in front of me and like do the thing. It's like, man, it's so frustrating. Yeah, I, I honestly think it's been okay, but uh, I don't think Apple will bring it back. It's not going to happen. What's, what we're going to so see either. is the next. They'll just get better. We're going to see the iMacs and the iPads and the and the MacBooks inherit that technology, yeah. which I think is actually yeah. going to be pretty awesome. But yeah, oh, no, I, they're they're I, not I going back. So they're not going Mac- back. But with the Android world, we can have the best of both. And I think Huawei will do that. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Samsung has some technology because so far their their retinal scan thing was crap. It didn't work. And I turned Mm -hmm. it off because it just doesn't work. I need this to be bulletproof. Apple pretty much, Face ID is pretty much bulletproof for me. So, you know, I'm hoping Huawei can pull it off. That's all I'm saying. So... We'll find out. We'll find out MWC. And then there's a big, you know, event in Paris, I think on the end of March sometime. So I'm excited. Huawei does some cool stuff and I'm looking forward to seeing what they bring to the table. 
Uh, in yeah. other news, uh, Nokia, is rumors of a Nokia 7 Plus. Uh, I'm only bringing that up simply because I feel like, you know, I haven't received too many Nokia review units this year, mostly because they're not focused on the U.S. market. But um, I have a, a 3310, you know, their, their retro phone. I have one of those. And uh, it's kind of fun. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking, f- you know, I'm looking forward to getting one of the Android phones at some point. And this 7 Plus is, is a rumor. It's a leak. But it's their, it would be their first widescreen, like 18-9 aspect ratio Android phone. And... So far, every review of their existing new line of Android phone, like the new, there's like a Nokia 6 and Nokia 8, Nokia 7, whatever, has been, you know, really well received by reviewers, even though, as I said, I don't have any. Are you excited about the coming back of Nokia? You know, I really love their design aesthetic. Yeah. I think that they know how to make really interesting, beautiful phones. I loved how they designed a lot of their Windows phones. Oh, yeah. They were gorgeous, um, weren't they? Yeah. Really nice. Just really well designed. They felt so sturdy. Like, I just, I really love their hardware design. So, I, I am in a way. And I think it it is it is a good thing that they are not tethered to Windows phone anymore. Um, yeah. Or anybody's tethered to Windows phone anymore. Um, but I, like, I really... I don't know. It's like it's 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 hard to be excited about it just because I am scared for them. Do you know what I mean? Like in the way of I don't know how many people are going to how many people are going to buy. Well, these. So, so, they're, so, you know, I didn't want to get into this, but they've sold something like 4.2 million phones in their first year. Their number one market share. It's just pretty impressive. Um, yeah, they're but, doing well. I mean, it's not in the US. Like th- th- that's the problem, right? Like like people, it's Nokia, the new Nokia, HMD Global is the parent company in Finland, is, is, is not on people's radar in this country, but they are mm-hmm. relevant mm-hmm. to the rest of the world. And as you said, the reason they are, it's not because of Android. Everybody can make an Android phone as we know. It's because they're doing beautiful hardware again, right? Yeah, because, and that's the thing. Like, I think that's the key because, you know, like you said, anybody can make an Android phone, but to make it really special is very rare. And, um, and, and we're, we're starting to kind of see these, these interesting, uh, different design concepts, these ideas from companies like Essential and yeah. um, OnePlus. And like, they're just different. Like, they're yeah. a little bit different. And even Samsung, to a certain extent. Like, I I really enjoy the way that the Galaxy S8 looks. Like, I yeah, think no, it's, it's a, a great, unique design. It's a, I think that they finally nailed some kind of unique brand for themselves. Yes. But you know, it's still not saving them because Apple has surpassed them as number one now. I Can you believe know. that? It's I insane. I believe that. I I'm like, I mean, it's only for that. quarter four, but like, that is shocking. I mean, it's funny to me though, because all these rumors of the iPhone 10 not selling well or whatever, come on. They just had their best quarter ever. It's like, yeah, yeah folks, so, it's people, a crazy People have world. to realize there's the phone is a thousand dollars right and people are buying it left right and center they don't need to sell as many as they need to sell iphone 8s exactly because they sell less of them it's less work less production for them and they make more money yep yeah no it's it's amazing it's amazing Wow. Yeah, we live in a crazy world. I, I'm pretty stoked about Mobile Congress. There's some good stuff coming. Galaxy S9. We talked about this last week. I don't want to get into great details, but obviously, you know, more leaks, more rumors. This Nokia rumor of the 7 uh, Plus and the uh, the uh, the uh, rumors of, well, it's not rumors, the, the triple camera on this P20, which clearly looks like it's going to be called P20 now. We were, we were kind of like not sure about that, but... Um, 
I as think a camera obsessed smartphone user, like this makes this me very is cool, happy. right? I mean, yeah, and put, and you put know, eight, put eight cam, put eight lenses on. There. I don't. Care. <laughs> have you just, used you just the any of up. the? Have you used any of the Huawei phones? They're really great. Yeah, they take great pictures. Yeah, yeah, I like them a lot. So listen, we should wrap it up. Um, do you want to? You you time to talk about the new show. Do you want to tell people where they can find you on on you know various social media and places and yeah. stuff? Yeah, you can. I'm mostly on Twitter. So as much as I, much as I hate the fact that I am on Twitter and I'm supporting. So uh, there's some big question. Oh, there's a lot of issues there. I know. Oh, like I, it's the site, it's the social media site that I love to hate. Um, and I hate to love. So uh, I'm just at Ashley Esqueda there, and I am pretty much on all the time. So uh, and feel free to check out the Tesla track that's over on theroadshow.com. You can see that. Um, and I've, I'll be, of course, tweeting it out and all that stuff. I'm Ms. Ashley Esqueda on Instagram, which is a lot of fun. I like Yay, Instagram. Yeah, I like I'm your Instagram. Fan. I'm a big fan, too. Uh, fan. It's changing as well, but I think it's still pretty solid. And uh, yeah. you also write for it's CNET, right? Much less depressing. Right? I, usually I just host. So you usually just I'm host. just video. Like, I write my own scripts and everything, but um, I host mostly. So usually you'll see me on video, and then I might every now and again, write something up. Like I did an article on the Sondor's EV. I got to uh, drive that around last year, a little late last year, which was really fun cool. um, and really interesting to to check out. So um, so yeah, like I sometimes I'll do write-ups like that. And then um, and then mostly it's video. So I, I just love, uh, love hosting. Yeah, love no, we love you on video. Um, I, you know where to find me. You, I'm at, at TNK JRL Tank Girl on Twitter. Uh, you know, it's like the comic book character without the vowels. That's how you'll remember if you forget. That's the same handle on Instagram. Follow me there as well. Um, and uh, of course, my YouTube channel, Miriam Joir. Uh, it's youtube.com slash Miriam Joir. Spell out my name with the Miriam with a Y. Um, most of the videos on my YouTube are really just to support the podcast. So like, you know, the, the, one, the one plus five T Lava Red. Uh, I did an unboxing yesterday, which was published this morning. And obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, and you want to see what that phone looks like, go check out the video, subscribe to the channel, you know, like the videos, all that good stuff. And uh, more importantly, tell people about it. And tell people about the podcast. Uh, MobileTechPodcast.com is where you'll find the podcast and you'll find the RSS feed there. Uh, we're also on iTunes and on Pocket Cast if you uh, prefer looking for me there. Um, just search for Mobile Tech Podcast. And uh, we'll be back next week with another guest and another conversation about mobile tech. Cars, phones, tablets, laptops, all that good stuff. Glasses. Glasses, <laughs> watches. Thanks so much for being on, Ashley. A pleasure to have you. It was a fun conversation. Come back. Always, always a delight, Miriam. You know that. I absolutely love hanging out with you in any capacity I can. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Thank you so much. All right, folks. Cheers. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.